0: Man, Brother Billy Kelly told me one time when he is upset with me, he said, you preach everything you know in five minutes, so I don't think I can preach two messages tonight or however long he wanted me to go, but I'll preach a little while, and if you look at me, Genesis chapter 16, please, Genesis chapter, excuse me, chapter 14, get in the right chapter, thank you for inviting me to come. Thank you, Brother Ellison, for that good message, and uh, it's a blessing to see him uh, here tonight. We get to see him every year over at Gateway. That's about it. There's some folks we only get to see just every now and again. It's good to see him. Good to see Brother Caleb here and his family. Get to see him once in a while. Good to see the Smiths come in. And then my two chauffeurs down here, uh, Brother Seavers and Brother Whittemore, bring me down every year when I come. I don't... I don't know of two more godly men, and uh, I'm, I'm, I, I travel with them because I'm hoping some of that will rub off on me. And didn't Brother Whittemore preach a wonderful message last night, guys? That was wonderful. It was a blessing. I don't know if what I have to preach tonight, I know this is Jubilee, and this is really not a Jubilee message, but it's what God has put on my heart. I want to read a little bit. It'll take me a few moments to read the scripture, so I think maybe I'll let you sit down while we read because it'll take me a little bit to read. We're going to start Genesis 14 and verse number one. Genesis chapter 14 and verse one, and it came past. There's a lot of words in here, by the way, that uh, we might just stumble over. A young fellow, uh, he was getting up to preach, and he asked an older preacher, said, what do you do when you get in those verses, all those names? He said, well, if I come to one I can't pronounce, I pretend I have to cough. He said, I'll get to it, and I'll go, like that. So he got in one of those genealogies, and he coughed so much he passed out in the pulpit. So I hope I won't do that tonight, but you'll forgive me if I massacre some of these. I've been practicing them, but it never does quite work out. Genesis 14, it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Chetalaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemabur, king of Zeboam, and the king of Bela, which is Zor. And these were joined together in the vale of Siddim, which is the salt sea. Twelve years they served Chedorlaomer, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year came Chedorlaomer and the kings that were with him and smote the Rephims in Ashtaroth, Cernium. And the Zuzims in Ham, and the Emims in Shavath Kiriathim, and the Horites in their Mount Seir, unto El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And they returned and came to En Mishphat, which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites that dwelt in Hazizon Tamar. And there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Admah, and the king of Zeboam. And the king of Bela, the same as Zor. And they joined battle with them in the vale of Siddim, With Chedorlaomer, the king of Elam. With Tidal, king of nations. And Amraphel, king of Shinar. And Ariak, king of Alasar. Four kings with five. And the vale of Siddim was full of slime pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. And they, remained, uh, fled to the, uh, they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals, and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped, and told Abram, uh, uh, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of and brother of and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, He armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the most high God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And And blessed be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I've lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me, Aner, Escal, and Mamre, let them take their portion. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We pray for your help in the preaching of the word of God. Lord, I know how insufficient I am. I know my limitations, but I'm glad you're an unlimited God, and I pray you'll help me tonight to help your people. And to bring glory to your name, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to notice a word in this passage that is repeated five times. We find it first in verse 11. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. We find it again in verse 12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods... And departed. We find it again in verse 16. And he brought back all the goods. And also brought again his brother Lot. And his goods. And the women also. And the people. We'll find it again in verse 21. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram. Give me the persons. And take the goods. To thyself. Five times in this passage. We read about. The goods. Here's what I want to preach on tonight. I want to preach on, are your goods doing you any good? Are your goods doing you any good? When I come to the book of Genesis, the last half of the book of Genesis is divided. It is the story of four men. We call them the patriarchs. Abram, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. If we were to take the life of Joseph, we would learn, I think, a lesson about forgiveness, how to forgive and the importance. If we would take the life of Jacob, uh, we would learn a lesson about famines because Jacob had to go through a famine and we could learn how to deal with the famines in our lives. If we were to look at the life of Isaac, really not much is said about Isaac in the Bible. Uh, if I figured it out right, there are 13 chapters in Genesis, and uh, in, in, in those 13 chapters, Abraham and his story is the central part of the chapter. There are 11 chapters in Genesis where Jacob and his story is the central part of the of those chapters. But there is only one chapter in Genesis where the story where Isaac is the central point or the. Central Central part, And we would learn something from Isaac about the flesh and the danger of living after the flesh. But when I come to Abram here, I want us to talk about his finances. I want to deal with the goods that were in his life. You know, someone will say, preacher, I don't think a preacher ought to preach about finances. Then you're going to have trouble with Jesus because he had a lot to say about finances. You're going to have trouble with the apostle Paul because he has a lot to say about finances. And somebody, I remember old Sam Jones, the old Methodist preacher, said this. He said, The last thing to get saved on a man and the first thing to backslide is his wallet and that's about the truth and I would say this to you if you're not a giving Christian starting out with a tithing Christian if you're not a giving Christian you're not much of a Christian you haven't gone very far in your Christian life if you haven't learned how to give somebody said well preacher I got saved but I don't tithe tithing is the baby step of the Christian life I mean that's just baby steps that's just the beginning and I'll tell you this I've been saved over 30 years I'd hate to think That after 30 years of being saved, I still only given 10%. I'd hate to think I hadn't got a little further than that in these over 30 years. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the goods. Now the Bible has a lot to say about giving. Uh, Ecclesiastes said there is a sore evil which I've seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. The Bible said in Psalms uh, uh, "Be thou the afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased, for when he dieth he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. I tell you what you ought to do you ought to give while you can while you're alive you ought to give and then in Ephesians the Bible says this let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth amen. In Matthew the Bible said lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rusteth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal but lay up for yourself by the way I thought about this every time I read that verse I got a little house up in a place called Bean Blossom, Indiana. Brother Caleb has been there. I got a little house. I spend, uh, I don't know, uh, I won't spend a single night there between Christmas and Memorial Day. And I usually spend up, if you told it all up, I probably spend about four weeks there in a year. Uh, But I've got an alarm system on the house. You know why? Because my treasure there at the house, thieves will break in, steal, and destroy. But I'm glad there's a place we can put our treasure where thieves can't break in and steal and destroy it's a place called heaven and the Bible said for where your treasure is there will your heart be also Paul said this in Colossians he said mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry I want to talk to you about giving for a little while you know what the goods are in this passage? They are the possessions. The possessions of the people. You have some goods, I have some goods. They used to call it, when you'd go down to the store, you might say, I need some dry goods. And it's talking about clothes and things like that. All of us have possessions and we have goods. And listen to me, God is not against us having possessions. He's not against us having goods. In fact, God promises us that if we give, it'll be given back to us. Pressed down, shaken together. good measure running over shall men give unto your bosoms. God not against us having things but God is against things having us. God is against it when goods are running our life and controlling our life and when that's what we live for. So, I want to talk to you about. I want to say three things to you tonight. You know how we preachers are. We've got three things. I want to say three things to you about the goods tonight. The first thing I want you to notice is the warfare and the goods. The warfare and the goods. Now, notice what all the warring and the fighting is about. It's about the goods. What's all the fuss about? What's all the blood about? What's all the activity about? What's all the animosity about? What's all the fighting about? It's about the goods. Boy, you talk about, you talk about a relevant scripture. You talk about up to date. How many families are in a turmoil because of the goods? How many friendships have been ended because of the goods? How many churches have been split over the goods? I don't like the way they spent that money. I don't like what they did with that money. I'm not going to tithe anymore while they're supporting that missionary. How many things have been destroyed because of the goods? Well, this warring is about the goods. James talks to us about that. He said, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, which war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. James said, there's a lot of fighting going on out here because of the fighting that's going on in here over lust and covetousness and having things how many times be honest with me how many times have you looked at God blessing another brother and you got envious and you thought in your heart how come I didn't get that how come God didn't do that for me how come I am not enjoying that I'd like to have that new car I'd like to have that fine house. They meant talking about the goods now. I thought about what James said about the goods and this warfare that's going on here in the goods. And I thought about some things that James, I think, would help us with in this business of wanting things. When you get a desire to have the goods and to want things, you ought to to give yourself this little test. You ought to say to yourself, first of all, can I pray? Because if you can't, if you wouldn't feel, like, feel right praying and asking God for it, you probably ought not have it. If you couldn't get on your knees in all good conscience and say, Lord, would you give me this? If you can't do that, probably you don't need it and ought not have it. So can you pray? Can you pray? Then second, these would be easy to remember because they rhyme. Can you pray? Secondly, by the way, Philippians said this, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Uh, and, uh, And so we ought to be able to pray about it. If we can't pray about it, we ought to forget it. So number one, can you pray? Number two, can you stay? You know what I said to Bo, Brother Seaver's big old, his little bitty big old dog? I always bring him treats, and I'll walk up and I'll say, sit, Bo, stay. What I'm telling him is don't move. Don't come and get it, wait till I get it, give it to you. So number one, can you pray? Number two, can you stay and give God a chance to give it to you before you go out and get yourself in a financial mess? I tell you, there's some things in my Christian life that I manipulated and I connived and I scraped and I got a hold of them after I got a hold of them. I wished I'd never got them. I'd have been a lot better off if I'd have prayed about it first and then said, now, Lord, if I, I can pray about it, I think it'd be a good thing. I think it'd be in your will for me to have it. So now if you want me to have it, you give it to me. Can you wait on him? Can you stay? You know, if God, you know, if God lays it in your lap, it's probably a pretty good indication that you ought to have it. Can you pray? Can you stay? And if God says no, can you sway? Can you say, all right, Lord, if I'm not supposed to have it, I'll go a different direction. I won't pout. I won't tell you how hard you are. I won't tell you how unkind you are. I won't come into church with my lip hanging on, dragging on the floor saying God didn't treat me right. I say no, God didn't want me to have it so I'm not gonna mess with it. I'll sway, I'll go a different direction. I'll go the way God wants me to go. If we could learn those principles, you know what happened? happen? There'd be a lot less warfare. There'd be a lot less warfare between husbands and wives. Hey, fella, you don't need a bass boat because your neighbor's got one. And hey, dear lady, you don't need a new kitchen because your neighbor has one. Amen. There's a lot of things. We get ourselves in such a financial mess over these goods, we can't even give to God. God comes along and he works in a service and said, he starts putting it on your heart to give to some mission work to see souls saved. We can't even give. We got ourselves so wrapped up in our goods. Amen. Can you pray? Can you stay? Can you sway? It would, it would give us peace in our hearts if we trust that God can give us what he wants us to have. Amen. All right, here's the second thing. Not only the warfare in the goods, but in this passage, I see some wisdom concerning the goods. There's first of all, Abraham has, gives us some wisdom. He shows us something about our goods. The Bible said in verse 17 the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, the he that he's mentioning here is Abram. And he gave him tithes of all. Now why did he do that? Well, Abram's going to say in a little while, he's going to say, I've lifted up my hand unto the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Abraham recognizes where the victory came from. He recognizes where his goods came from, and he said I'm going to give back to God. I'm going to give him the tithe. I'm going to give him the best of what I have. Don't give God your leftovers. Give him the best of what you've got. Amen. Tithe. I remember I, remember I preached for a fellow up in Indiana, Brother Mike Poole, and his, his daddy was from Alabama. We always called him Pop. Pop Pool. I think I'm trying to remember what his first name is and I can't remember but Pop Pool was an unusual man. He was very he was very plain spoken and I remember we were having a tent meeting one night and the, and the a newspaper man showed up and he went right to Pop uh, to interview him and Brother Mike was over there just a sweating it out wondering what Pop was going to say and what was going to end up in the paper. Well Pop did pretty good. He's from the old school. He'd tell a story and, uh, and he'd tell it. and, and sometimes he'd say some things maybe you shouldn't say and, and Miss Marie, brother, Poole's wife or Pop's daughter-in-law would say, Pop, and he said, well, I didn't say it. That's what the fella in the story said. He is old school. But I remember them telling about Pop, he's a drunk and he got saved. After he got saved and he got in church because uh, he got born again, he's going to church and the preacher started preaching on tithing. And so he came home and he said to his wife, honey, he said, the man of God showed me in the Bible we're supposed to tithe. She said, how do we do it? He said, here's what we do. He said, we take what we get in and right off the top, we take 10% for God. He said, we're gonna pay God right off the top. Give God his tithe right off the top. Then he said, we're gonna pay our bills and then he said, if we got anything left over, we're gonna eat. Well... Pop lived to a good old age. Didn't look to me like he'd ever missed many a meal. But what I liked about it was Brother Mike, his son, said, you know, when I got saved, I never had a battle over tithing. I never had to pray about it, never had. You know why? Because Daddy had already fought that battle. Daddy recognized that the tithe belonged to God. Hey, let me tell you something. Our children, there are a lot of battles our children are fighting. They wouldn't have to fight if we'd have fought them. Amen, if we got that straight. Abraham recognizes that every good gift and every perfect gift has come above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turn You, You say, well, preacher, I, I myself made man. There is no such thing. If you got anything good, God gave it to you. And you ought to give back. So he teaches us about recognition, recognizing that God is the one that provides for us. But there's another piece of wisdom about these goods, and it comes from an unusual place. It doesn't come from Abram; It comes from the king of Sodom. I would not expect him to say anything wise, but he does say something very wise in this passage. Look what he says in verse 21. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, look at it now give me the persons and take the goods to thyself Do you know what he just did he just told abraham that the people are more important to me than the possessions you know what you and i need to learn that relationships are more important than resources That people are more important than possessions. We waste our life away trying to have things when God wanted us to have relationships. You think about, you fellas, you men in this auditorium tonight, you think about Adam in the garden. You know what he had? He had perfect possessions. Nothing wrong with any of them trees in the garden. There's no curse, it's perfect. He had a perfect profession. I'd say it'd be a pretty good job taking care of things there ain't nothing wrong with and you don't have to take care of them. And he had perfect provisions. Yes, sir. Amen. And God looked at it and here's what he said. It's not good. Perfect professions, perfect possessions and perfect provisions are not enough. It's not good. You know what Adam needs? He needs a helpmate. He needs a relationship. Right. Now you listen to me, sir. You listen to me, sir. You can work your fingers to the bone and have things. But if you don't have a good relationship with your family, you didn't get anything. That's right. Hey, listen to me, lady. You can have all the trinkets, all the things that the world has to offer. But if you don't have a good relationship with your husband, you don't have anything. You can you can own the largest house and drive the finest car and have the biggest bank account and lose your family. Yes. I remember Brother Larry Brown from Washington, Iowa. He led this man to Christ. The man was a millionaire and he led him to Christ. And the man's family had disintegrated and, and so Brother Brown, he had a lot of children and they're living in this little place and they needed a house. And so the man and his wife had divorced and now Brother Brown has led him to Christ. And so the man said, preacher, I tell you what, I want you to have this house. He had this beautiful house, landscape, the whole deal, just beautiful. He said, I'm gonna try and work it out so you can live in this house, preacher. And he did, he worked it out. So Brother Brown could have that house. So Brother Brown got his family the first night in that great big huge house and he sat them down and his family, and his family divorced here's what he said to him he said now God has blessed us with this great big beautiful home and this landscape yard and all these rooms and bathrooms and all, all of this wonderful a splendor that we're living in but he said I want to remind you of something the family that lived here before this home did not make them a good family it didn't give them joy it didn't make them happy and he said this home is not what will make our family happy it's living for Jesus and loving one another that will make our family happy I'm telling your friend, the people are more important than the possessions. Amen. Amen. And here's another piece of wisdom, and we'll get it from Abram. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand, verse 22, unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread, even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is thine. Now watch this. Lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Abraham is concerned about his reputation. And I tell you, when you, go, when you set out, now, I don't want you to get me wrong. I know some men whom God seems like has given them a gift that everything they touch turns to money. I know some fellows like, I mean, they have a business head. I don't have a business head. I don't, I don't have it. I, I, I'll go out. I do a lot of traveling. I'll go in a pawn shop. I'll find an instrument. I, I love instruments. I just like to go and look. I, just love, I tell the fellows up here, I never met a guitar I didn't like. And I'll find an instrument. I'll say, you know what? I could make some money on that. I could buy that and I could sell it. And you know what happens every time, preacher? Well, every time, every time, but let me see. Every time but once. You know what happens? I buy it and I give it away. I don't make any money on it. One time, I bought a Dobro for four hundred dollars and sold it for nine hundred. That's the only time I ever made money. The rest of my game, I don't have I don't have that kind of I don't have that kind of business sense. But I know, fellas, I, I know, fellas, just seem like whatever they whatever they touch turns to money. But I'm gonna tell you something about getting rich. It's easy to lose your testimony dealing with money. Now, every rich man is not a crook. Don't get me wrong. I know some godly men who are wealthy men and they give to the Lord and they're careful. But the Bible said they who are, would be rich fall into many foolish and hurtful snares. And I'm gonna tell you, friend, you, what you better do is you better set your sights on walking with God rather than getting rich. Amen. Amen. Yes, so Abram is concerned about his reputation. Oh, yeah. We ought to have a reputation of being generous. But we ought to have a reputation of living modestly and being temperate and not having to have things to keep up with the world and be like everybody else. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So there's some wisdom. Now let me give you this last one. There's the warfare in the goods, some wisdom concerning the goods. But I want you to notice this last thing and that is the word, capital W-O-R-D, and the goods. Because after Abram says to the king, I'm not taking what you've got, because I'm looking somewhere else. When he's standing there, God comes walking by. The word shows up. And look what he says to Abram, chapter 15 and verse 1. After these things, after what things? After Abram had gone out there and risked his life to save them and had given the people back and had turned down what the world had to offer. After that, the Lord came unto Abram in a vision and said, fear not. Why would he say that? Because Abraham had taken up the sword and there's a good chance he'd never be able to lay it down again. So God said, don't be afraid, Abram. You don't have to fear that. Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield. I'll protect you, Abram. But then notice what he said. And thy, boy we heard about this word a few minutes ago, and thy exceeding, uh, what did he say? Further than, further, throwing further than the mark, further than, you know what? God's about to bless Abraham a whole lot further than the mark that the king of Sodom was aiming for. It's about to go way beyond that. He said, I'm thy exceeding great reward. He said, Abraham, you turned down what the world could give you. Now let me tell you what I can do for you and I'm telling you friend what God can do for you is better than what the world can do you know what God's about to give Abram something that the king of Sodom can't give him because Abram looks over and he said what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless and my steward is Eleazar's one born in my house and he said uh, you've given me no son he said my steward is mine heir God said this shall not be thine heir that one that cometh forth from thine own bow shall be thine heir and God took him out and showed him the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore and said if you can count them that's what your seed's going to be and the Bible said Abram believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness the king of Sodom couldn't give him that son but God can give him that son I'm trying to tell you God can treat you better than you can treat yourself yeah. one, one little old boy came into a, came into a little general store back in the pioneer days and he had a nickel and he walked up the counter and he laid that nickel on the counter and he looked at the man behind the counter and he said what can a fella get for a nickel around here and the fella held up a big jar of rock candy hard candy he said around here a fella gets a handful for a nickel he said a handful for a nickel he said yes son well the boy left his nickel on the counter and ran out the door and the grocer's standing there with that rock candy. And in a little while, here come the boy, come back in, pulling his daddy by the hand. And he walked up the counter and he said, Handful for a nickel, right? He said, That's right, son. He said, Daddy, reach in there and get us a handful. And then he said, This, Daddy's got bigger handfuls than I've got. I want to say to you, your heavenly father has bigger handfuls than you have. He can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You say, Well, Abram didn't get the goods. No. He didn't get just the goods. He got the best there was to get. He got the promise of God and God himself. And later on, Paul will use him as an illustration and say in Romans 4, what shall we say that Abraham our father's, has the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. But what sayeth the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham not only got a promised son, he got righteous in the sight of God why don't you and I do this why don't we get our hands off the goods and lift up our hand to the most high God and say Lord if you want me to have it I'll have it if you don't want me to have it I don't want it Lord I want what you can I tell you this I'll tell you this and I'll be done I was studying over in Genesis 13 remember when Abram and Lot had that that warfare there between their between their herdsmen my brother-in-law he's in heaven now he preached on he called it the world's first range war but there was, there was too many flocks and herds and there was strife. And So Abram came to Lot and he said, let there be no strife between me and thee and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen. He said, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, I want you to think about this a moment. Look up here, think about this. Abraham is the elder man. He is the spiritual man. And he's the man with the call of God on his life. Lot is the younger man. He is not spiritual and he has no call. Who do you think should have chosen? Abram should have chosen, looks like natural thinking, but he didn't. He said, Lot, you choose. And whatever you choose, I'll take what's left. And so the Bible said Lot looked toward the east. He li- Here's the way the Bible put it. He lifted up his eyes and looked to the east. And he saw the well-watered plain. And he saw it was good for cattle. And he said, I'll take that over yonder. I could just imagine him in his heart saying, I got the best of the old man this time. I got the best part of the land. And it was a good land for cattle, but it wasn't a good land for children. And so he's over there, and it looks like Abram is left standing in the rocks. So while he's standing there, the same things happened there that happened here. God comes walking by. And I love what he said because the Bible said Lot lift up his eyes and look toward the east. So God comes by and here's what he says to Abraham. Lift up now thine eyes. He said your turn Abram. And he said look toward the east and the west and the north and the south. And he said all the land that thou seest Will I give unto thee and unto thy seed forever? Yeah. Lot chose for himself. How many directions did he get to look? How long did he get to keep what he got? How many directions, because Abram let God choose for him, how many directions did he get to look? Every direction. How long did he get to keep it? He still got it. It's still his. I'm just saying to you, God can treat you better than you can treat yourself. So don't war over the goods. Yes, sir. Just learn to give. Learn to be generous. Don't fuss. Don't fight. Learn to be satisfied with him because he is our exceeding great reward and he'll take care of your needs and he'll give you peace are your goods doing you any good would you bow your heads please